Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. What's up? It's Mike. Enjoying the podcast? Want more? Head on over to patreon.com slash comesatimepod for a bonus episode each week. That's patreon.com slash comesatimepod. Welcome back to Comes the Time. This is Mike. This is Oteal. How you guys doing out there? We have our first uh, repeat guests today uh and we needed them back uh Chaim and zach who uh joined us early on in probably the first when we were in the single digit episodes maybe uh to talk mental health to talk uh we basically went through a therapy session with them today on the uh pod and uh they're they're amazing guys and i love them i'm honored to know them and uh it was so nice to have them with us today me too. I can't believe they don't have their own podcast. But it was a uh, much-needed therapy session for both of us. I would subscribe to their sure. podcast in a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, they're such a great team. And uh, and in this time that we're living through, uh, it was just very timely. And I'm quite certain that you're going to get something really, uh, something you need out of it. I don't know what it is, but it's in there. Yeah, it's in there. And uh, thanks to them again for taking time. And uh, it's not the last. You haven't heard the last of them. So uh, as always, folks, we love that you're with us. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, if you want more of us, you can go to patreon.com slash comes a time pod and uh, get an extra episode every week of O'Teal and I chatting it up. And uh, you can send your questions to us over there as well, which uh, we're always interested to hear. And we're on the Osiris Network, home to so many amazing podcasts. We're honored to be a part of the family. So head to OsirisPod.com and listen to some of uh, our our great friends uh, and their podcasts. So enjoy Chaim and Zach, and uh, we'll see you next time. Lachaim. Uh, 
we've learned in the past couple of weeks that, uh, first off, welcome back, Zach and hi, I'm Newman. Zach Borer, hi, I'm Newman. Two incredibly talented uh, therapists, friends, our first repeat guests on the Comes a Time podcast, long overdue. Um, but I will tell you that uh, we I, I learned O'Teal, and, and, and I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you before we started, but I think we need to actually, <laughs> in the world we're in, we have to say the day and the year that we're yeah. recording, because literally the next day, it's a whole new universe we're living in. So... The 19th of January, 2021, year of our Lord, whichever Lord you choose, we are here. So welcome back, guys. Uh, we need you. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Hope you stretched because uh, it's going to be a heavy lifter. It's good to see you both. Which is good because it turns out we need you guys. So yes. you know, it's all mutual. <laughs> Fantastic. How lucky for us. <laughs> I know. And the listeners, how have you guys been since we last uh, got to see your lovely faces? It's been it's been a while, right? I was thinking about it. It's like October, like four or five months. So, wow. it feels like uh, two ice ages. Well, it's like every day is feels like a year. So five months feels like you know a decade. You we- even remember like what has gone on. I mean, it's just. We've been, I've been okay. I've been good. Like, you know, have a lot of stressors that have come up in the last month. I would say that like the last month of this whole thing was the, by far the hardest for me. Um, I actually got COVID um, and my family did my wife and my sister-in-law like over new year's contracted COVID somehow unclear how it happened. I'm very safe. thinking it was one of my kids who brought it in. So very mild symptoms, all healthy. Everybody's good. We're through it. But um, a, you know, very challenging logistically with two little kids and false negative tests and managing all the stress and anxiety that comes with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been a heavy time, and a, like we a testament to resilience and getting through and putting one foot in front of the other, and like trusting that the shit times will turn into maybe not shit times down the line. Wow! So. Yeah, thank God you guys are okay. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 healthy and we're good, and it's it's super scary to even say it. Um, so fortunate that we're healthy, and um, but yeah, it was really it was a really hard three four weeks for us, and finally feeling like I'm oh I'm through it, um, and like yeah. remember looking at myself in the mirror for the past three weeks, being like Zach you can do this. You can do this. And like having positive self-talk and reminding myself like, I, we can do this. This will end. And it inevitably does. It's so hard when you're, uh, when your kids get it, that, and everybody say, Oh, the kids will be fine. But when Nigel got it and then Kavi got it, it Mm. did a number on my mind. Mm. And this was way back. This was in March. 
but still like, you know, it's, I was less concerned for me. And then when they got it, it was like that, that father, that parental terror that can grip you in a millisecond. So that was, that was hard to wait. I feel you on that, man. It's, I mean, luckily my kids were not symptomatic though. Like they didn't really show any symptoms, but I swear to you, I was taking their temperature every 15 fucking minutes. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, I'm getting rid of this thermometer. Like this thermometer is going in the trash because I have trauma associated with this thing. I can see it. It is amazing as parents, like you It'll really see you. that, like you said, that instinct, uh, OTL, where it's just like, like I've heard this from every single person I know who's got who, who's gone through having COVID is like way less worried than they were for their own well being is they were either worried about their kids or sometimes the other way, worried about their parents, right? If they had elderly parents. And and that's, I think, you know, maybe those little moments of like the greatness of humanity is even in our own suffering. It's like the ability to care for someone beyond us, someone that we love is actually quite, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a long time to go through the same thing. Most of us haven't been through like uh, a war, like World War One or Vietnam or something, but it's a protracted. It's you know, it's really hard to to and and we still like a war. We don't know when it's going to end, so that does another number on your head, you know. Time, how have you been doing lately, or since we last talked? Or I mean, it's it's funny because in some ways, I. Yeah, I think, you know, we chatted just sort of before we popped on about how difficult things have been recently. And 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 I, the analogy of war, you know, I, I just keep thinking of these stories of, you know, people who who have to live underground for years, whether it was, you know, a Holocaust or, you know, persecution in various countries or just, you know, or living the Iran-Iraq war. You were, you know, like hiding for your life, in a, you know, in, in a pile of rubble for, for a year. And, and that sense of, of not knowing when it's getting in the relentlessness of it. And, and it turns out that the trajectory isn't like what you would think it is psychologically, which is really difficult in the beginning. And then you kind of get used to it and find a groove. And then you just sort of groove through till it ends. Like that's what you think, right? Like sort of, it seems on the surface, like once you become accustomed to things and we're really uh, adaptive species, you know, we've survived incredible transitions and transformations over the history of humanity. Um, you'd think we'd sort of like get used to it and then we kind of move through. But oddly, I think it has this trajectory where it's like super difficult in the beginning and then you kind of find a groove and then at some point it just becomes super difficult again. And, yeah. and, and it's like, it's like we can almost like, you know, the tank of of how much our like reserve tank of, of wherewithal to just like one foot in front of the other. Okay. Hey, I'm getting through. What do I got to do? You know, at some point that like starts to run down a little. And, and I think for, you know, Zach talked about what he's been this past month being really difficult for him. Same for me, you know, and in the real shit, like if we, the, the obvious shit, you know, my mom being in the ICU and almost dying of COVID, like that was in April. Right. And like, I thought that was the hard time. And then I was like, oh, I'm good from like May till December. And I was pretty good. And then something just in the last few weeks, and it's weird to say this, Zach, because I think partially you were at fault. 
really, my genes and my vulnerability to anxiety were at fault. But in some ways, uh, at the same time that Zach got sick, uh, two other people that were close to me got sick. And, you know, like as a therapist, I am not immune from like suffering from an anxiety disorder. And my anxiety just went bonkers. And all of a sudden, I'm like sitting in my house one Friday and I'm like, oh my God, I have COVID. Like, I'm going to die. Like, oh my God, what if I'm in the 4% of people that don't survive? You know, I have asthma. Like, is that gonna, is it going to kill me? And like, I didn't even have any obvious symptoms, but the way, you know, anxiety is never rational. It's not about, one of the things I tell my patients always, and, and Zach and I talk about this a lot, is anxiety is not about the probability of threat. It's about the possibility of threat, right? Yeah. You don't react to anxiety to like, oh, it's a 90% chance the plane's not going to crash. So like, why am I worried? It's like, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that it's possible. And the part of our brain that's there to like anticipate threat and react to that goes wild. And we're like living in this constant state and we're being constantly reminded of it every time you turn on Facebook or that, you know, the TV or the news or anything that like we're under a state of threat right now. Like there's things out there that could kill you and are like creeping in the air and you can't see them. Right. And so we're constantly living in a state. And I was like, as it turns out, living in a state of like anxiety reacting to all the threats. And then when some people I know around me and that I care about, you know, got sick, I was just like, Oh God, like I'm next, you know? And man, it's just like, I still find myself, you know, like three weeks later, like just like kind of in that hangover of like that anxiety place of where I was sitting on my couch, just having like the worst panic attack I'd had in a year. And so it's interesting. Last month has been, uh, you know, like, uh, and our being tests us, like you say, my, whether it's the critic or the panic, you know, sort of depending on what your, your, uh, your version, your bag that you carry around is, it's like, doesn't go away. Oh, and, uh, and, and O'Teal, I mean, the conversations that we've been having off mic with our crew, Eric and Andrew and the, the group texts that we, and then splintered off from there to our other friend groups and fam. There's something in the air lately, and it is all this culmination of change. And you hear about a vaccine, but you got to sit and you know hold your breath. And then you know all the political shit. You got to just sit and hold your. You know, it, it's it's so much of like, I think that you know that the human condition is to be in control of as much as you possibly could be and we're all completely out of control right now we have no control over anything but we're feeling it in our dreams we're feeling it in like O'Teal and I have and like everybody we've had these conversations about like the most vivid like like waking up and being like jarred with your like your dreams punched you in the face and said like okay go ahead and face the day and you're like wait a minute and then you text man I had the weirdest dream and then O'Teal's like dude I you think you did and it's just been I mean what O'Teal a month of just the most yeah, insane I mean, I've dreams probably twenty friends you know my thing I, you know I have I haven't really had the anxiety. I've had a little bit of the critic, but I don't, what is the one that is just, um, hopelessness or like malaise? Is that the right word? I jump just apathy. I just feel and, like anadonia is another one. Which is just like, 
What is it? Anhedonia, just joyless, sort of just like not finding joy and just like malaise is similar. Yeah. I feel like um, it's not going to get better, whatever the word is. (laughs) I guess hopelessness. I don't know. Some of this for me is tied to political stuff, you know, where I just, I definitely feel threatened. I feel scared of these same people that I've been scared of for a long time. And now they finally came out from underground or whatever. And I'm like, you know, they're not going away. They've been here forever. Like, you know, but some of it is just, uh, I know the, the up and down, like you can only take so much of, uh, and I try to unplug and, be more present with my kids and stuff and family and friends. And, um, but then some of it is just like you say, you know, you go to sleep. <laughs> it's like, when you can leave me alone, you know, my kids can't play with me while I'm asleep, you know? Um, so it's, it's a, it's a different one. I haven't really wrestled with that one before. I've wrestled with it in terms of internally, like, Oteil, you suck. You can never change. It's hopeless. And I got past that, you know, mm-hmm. but I haven't it, like wrestled with it from like it feeling outward coming in, you know? Well, it is. That's- it's relentless. It's just like, it's a relentless assault all the time in terms of our, <clears throat> our health and wellness out there and the political landscape and whatever side of the aisle you want. It's just like chaotic. Right. So there's, there's also no, there's no way to ground ourselves like we normally would when things get chaotic. There's no, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee with a friend or a family member. Or I'm going go to go to a concert or I'm going to go to yoga or whatever it might be that we have as humans to root ourselves, ground ourselves, feel sort of our feet on the earth and like, and, and just get away a little bit. It's just, we're sort of still stuck in our four walls and dealing, and it, it hasn't let up. It, it hasn't let up. It's actually ramped up, right? And now, yeah. and I think on January 19th, we're at like almost this seeming apex of things. <laughs> yet another apex. Yet, yet another one. But, it's, but it, it's interesting too. It's like we hold this like, hmm, should I be hopeful? Huh. <laughs> I think I should be hopeful, but like, I don't, the last time I was hopeful, uh, I was okay for a little bit. And then we hit another apex and it's, it's like, okay, there's a, some change happening. Is this going to be good? There's vaccines out there. Is this going to be good? I don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's this barrage of, of chaos that we are stuck to navigate. And I, I don't know if, I mean, I've never experienced anything that like this in, in, in my life. And so we're, again, we're just in uncharted waters on how to, how to handle it. And, you know, so it's makes so much sense. You know what I really miss, man? Uh, when I was going through the hardest time was when I was still going to church and that spiritual community, uh, it's strong, man. Now I have all my issues with church and stuff and I, can't find, you know, I haven't found there is, it's not there really what I'm Mm. looking for because I don't think it's organized. But the part that I miss is the communal part, which for most of us is probably we get in the concerts. 
you know, especially if you're a deadhead, it's a different thing. It's not just a concert, you know? Basically going to church, right? It's going to church, so we don't have that. So I'm like, okay, does God want us to be deprived of that, too? Am I supposed to learn something from, no, you can't have that either? Like, you know, and this is just purely personal. This is just a confession. It's like, whatever you want to call God, I think God is love. So let's call it love. Is love saying to me, it's got to be just you and me. Just you and me. Are you going to depend on me? Am I going to be enough? Am I enough? Because I'm, I'm the only thing that's really enough is love. So it's like, is it? Tr- am I just being forced? You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking in oh. analogies. You know, but <laughs> you are, you are literally right on. I think with, I mean, and again, and no one has like the answer because there, yeah, I don't know that there is a, the answer, but, but that sense of, you know, we're here to like, to learn something much like we learn from every experience and particularly the, the, the difficult ones is where something gives us the opportunity to transform in some way. And man, that idea of uh, it's sort of actually in some ways also connected to what you said, Mike, about like, we have this need to control things. And the reason why we have a need to control things is because we need things to be certain. And the more we can control it, the more we can make it certain. And right now, nothing is certain. There's no one in the world that, that knows, right? Like no one knows the answer. No one knows if the vaccine's going to work. No one knows if there's, you know, if the thing's going to mutate again, what's going to happen, what's going to happen politically. You know, it's like there's, there isn't a human being that has those answers, which is terrifying. And then what happens is you're forced back to where you just said, O'Teal, which is to be able to say, how do I like trust in love or God or the universe or whatever, whatever word or shape or whatever you want to call it? I don't but even like, care anymore. I just want, you know, about the word, like yeah, whatever. No, yeah. yeah. It's about the trust. You know, like, yeah, that's it. It's, it's how do we trust in, in, the experience of, of life itself, despite it's all uncertain and we can't control a damn thing and it's threatening and it's painful. And it's like, and somehow like, you know, the four of us and the, whoever's listening and everybody just has to like stand there and go like, I trust in this enough to like get up tomorrow and, you know, spread love, put one foot in front of the other, do the things that I need to do to like move life forward. Even though I don't know, you know, I don't know what it's going to be in. I think, Nature has always given me a, a model just like it does in all the religions and any spiritual traditions. You know, I'm like, I do trust the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Like, so whatever made that it obviously means for things to renew and, you know, the sun's going to go down again, too. And that's where the sun is right now. It's like <laughs> it's down for a lot of us. I do um, trust, you know, but I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just trying to like, um, when you don't know uh, when it's coming up, like it's not, like you said, that the certainty of that is is gone. So that's what makes it hard, like enduring when you don't know what the end is. It's getting rough on me. When, when um, you put yourself on the fringe of like uh, <clears throat> where where we live, where the deadheads and fish fans and adventure seekers and the misfits where we live in this universe. I think Zach and I could be included in the, in oh, the yeah. oh, category. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. The, 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 
when you live on the fringe of this reality and, and another one, you know, that I think love takes us to, you, things will show up every now and then and kind of give you a lesson that clicks and you start to think about everything that you've been feeling. And it's like, I started watching this show alone. It's on Hulu right now. And it's about 10 people who choose to, it's like a last man standing wins a half million dollars. And, but they go live in the, uh, Vancouver Island and you're, you could bring 10 things with you and you have to videotape yourself. It's like survivor, but by yourself and everybody's like 10 miles apart and you don't talk to anyone. You don't get to talk to your family. You don't get to talk. You have to get your own food, make your own fire, your own shelter. And this guy who, one of the seasons I was watching, like you watch these people with a camera in front of them day seven, day 65 up in the Arctic, just break down and just have that moment when they're just with themselves alone. And you've watched this journey where it's like, one guy said, I don't think about the clock anymore. He goes, I watch the water come in and I watch the water go out and I watch my fire grow and I watch my fire shrink and I feel my stomach full and then I feel my stomach empty and I, and, and that's time. And that's, you know, and, and it's just like that clicked with me where it was like, we're going back to literally like the most basic it doesn't matter. I don't even know what day, like, I don't know what today is. I know it's the 19th cause we said it, but I don't know. I think it's Tuesday, but like, it doesn't matter to me. Like where before it was like, especially in our careers, I got two more days till I got to get head to LaGuardia and fly to Denver. And then I'm there four nights and then I got to do this and that. None of that's there anymore. All of the ways that I was raised to calculate and mark progress it's all gone. My, it's like my, my wife comes home from work. Okay, cool. She made it back. One day is over. You know? And, and, and then in the morning she leaves. Okay, another day's begun. And, and it's just the same thing with these people who are sitting out alone on a, in the Arctic trying to survive. And it's like, let's see if I could catch a fish today. And the, the, to, to look at what's going on on the earth right now whether it's people climbing literally the walls of the Capitol building or the pandemic or people poo-pooing masks and whatever. Like it, it, I know that if I let myself get into that, I'm going to 100% lose my mind. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to crack and break and crumble into a million pieces. So I think I feel like those people on the show feel where it's like, I watch the tide come in and I watch the tide go out and that's got to be reality right now. Strange. It's self-preservation, but it's like, you don't, we don't, we didn't, we're not prepared for that. Right. I mean, there, you know, like counselors, therapists. A huge question for you, Mike, just one question, which is so, so in that process of kind of the way you describe it, which I think all of us resonate with in that, like, you know, just one day, one foot. (laughs) How do you do that? And keep things meaningful because all the things we used to mark as meaningful this big tour this big event this big thing you know and it's all like wiped out so how do we find a way even just watching the water come in and out to make our life still meaningful 
in the midst of that? What, what's working for you? For, for, for me personally, um, I think a lot about, uh, let's try not to break down here. Um, I think about, uh, seeing people, uh, in 3d, <laughs> like 4d, whatever, like I, like being able to like, to, to give someone a hug. Uh, there are, my, my brother lives across the country and he's got to be my godson who I've never met yet. And, um, a trip is planned where they are going to come to this, to, to come home. And like, to me, that's the next thing I'm looking forward to. And that's a couple months from now. But that's, I've put it in my mind that that's like, I'm walking across the frozen landscape to the spring. You know what I mean? Like, I just got to do what I got to do to prepare myself to be like the best, uh, the, the, the most prepared for when that time comes. So I, I'm giving myself like benchmarks to, I'm thinking about, I'm getting my backyard ready for when people can hang out in it. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm making projects that I don't need to do in the freezing cold. I'm outside with a leaf shredder, uh, and a cup of coffee just cause I'm preparing and I look at my yard and I see people having a good time. So I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm setting the table for when people can come eat, you know, and in the meantime, I'm watching my beautiful puppy grow up into a real dog, which is also kind of given me like, you know, um, but yeah, I think, I think that what, for me, what it is, is like being, having something to be excited about, but on the even microer version, the opposite of why put off until tomorrow, what you can do today. Now I'm like, why do today what I can put off till tomorrow? Cause now I got some shit to look forward to. I don't care if it's folding the laundry like i'll do it tomorrow <laughs> so i can go to sleep going i got shit to do tomorrow you know what i mean because that's that's uh the anxiety thing i've look i'm a pro i've been i've been preparing this is like i'm, this, I'm i've been warming up on the sidelines and this has been covid's been the super bowl like i'm ready <laughs> to play but what i've been sad about is the uh lack of identity lack of any sense of control i built an entire career and it just got like a sandcastle like, and it's not there anymore. And it's like, all right, I have to make peace with that. And you can't have anybody. Have you, have you been making peace with that? Like, where are you in that process or has that process started? Uh, I stop myself from thinking about stand up comedy when it comes up. Like it's a friend that died. Like I'm not going to like, like I'll see him again someday. I'll do stand up again, but it hurts me to think about. I had a, I, 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 the way my mind works is with comedy is that, uh, if I have an idea for a joke, it like tickles the inside of my head and I'm like, I can't wait to say it and it be awful and then mold it until it's great. And like the other day, I, I, my dog took a dump in the yard and then she has that thing where she kicks her legs at, at, like kicks grass. I don't know why dogs do that. They poop and then they kick 
afterwards and i was just i just it cracked Wait, me up you don't do that also <laughs> that's the funny thing that was where i thought was would be a funny that's like the the idea for a joke in my head was like thank god i don't do that like every time i rip a hot one i just punt the sink like that would be painful and i just thought like what a funny idea for a setup and it just made me feel nostalgic for like a friend that's not there that i was like i don't have a show coming up to go say that and see where it goes you know what i mean and and it I've I've made peace with it, but but Mike, I'm curious though because the like it sounds to me as if the process, whether there's a show to go sort of workshop it and work it out, uh, like for, is not there. But it's did did that concept tickle your brain in the same way that if you had a show in six weeks, it might. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's amazing. It did. It tickled my brain, but then I said, "Stop tickling me!" Like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just put it aside. Mm-hmm. I came in and told my wife about it. And I was like, I just had a comedy thought. And just like how I've come in the house and said to her, like, I just had a thought about Maggie, my dog that died. Or like, oh, I just had a thought about Uncle Bill who died. You know what I mean? Like it's it it, it feels like a dead relative, my 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 past. So it, it's interesting. It's it sounds like on one hand the the expectation for the future is actually motivating you, right? What you said about your godson in your backyard. Yeah. That is something that is that is motivating you and giving you strength to power through these really hard these really hard times. But simultaneously when it comes to the creative identity sort of like piece of you, the opposite process is happening where you're having to pull back from there in order to protect yourself. So I find that quite interesting. Um, that creatively you are stopping yourself from doing that, but but in terms of life and other things, it's actually pushing pushing you forward. So it's just an interesting thought that I'm I'm having as you're speaking. Yeah, I'm fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, but, to sum I mean, it up, friends. No, it speaks. Well, I mean, I do think it's it not a diagnostic. Yeah. I think that's on page sixty-five of the DSM. So. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's no, five answers, but uh, I, I think it's, I think, it spe- I think it speaks to what a lot of creators and creatives are experiencing right now is pr- this protective armor that we're putting on our that we're putting on creatively because that idea of stepping out onto a stage or workshopping something is so meaningful, so part of the fabric of our lives but yet still so um, unaccessible right now. And that's got to be really hard. But I I mean, have you been having these comedy moments for yourself or is that a new thing that you had recently? What do you mean comedy moments? These, these, these joke ticklers. No, that's always, that's how I think. Like a thought doesn't just go like you guys have a constant stream you know, and I've got like uh, bears pulling salmon out and going like tasting it and being like, yeah, this one's good. Like I don't ever like a thought doesn't just I wish I could just have thoughts go. I see something or a way someone makes a face or a, a noise or a thing. And I'm like, why do I hate that so much? <laughs> but really what it is, is, it's just that I love I love making fun of it. You know what I mean? Like that. That's just the way I think. But the 
it's just more arrows in the quiver, you know, or whatever. And, and, but I got nothing, to, I got no target practice right now. I just got a whole bunch of arrows. Hey, so collect arrows, right? I'm collecting arrows. Yeah. But uh, the thing that O'Teal has saved my life in the fact that we've been able to do this. So when I'm going, I haven't done anything. It's over, blah, blah, blah. It's not even close to over. A whole new thing began that, like, I never even, like, you got to, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? Like, we've done something that we never would have been able to do without this situation. So, like, that to me is the brightest, you know, part of this whole situation. Sure. I mean, I always have my kids and my wife to give me that meaning or the reason or whatever. But this podcast has really been, I I wanted a break from playing or the road, not from playing, but I don't like the road, you know? And uh, so it was a revelation to me go, okay, I'm ready to play again. I don't like the road so much, but I definitely am ready to play. But my identity isn't so wrapped up in being a musician that that didn't threaten my happiness because it's more wrapped up in being a husband and a father. But this podcast, wow, what a gift. Like, this is my church now. And it's all, you know, the congregation is small that we can see, but the exchanges we have are super meaningful and pretty much 100% spiritual. Oh, God, I mean, we yeah. talk about, you know, whoever they give, whether it's a comedian or whatever, like, you know, obviously this with you guys is like, you know, <laughs> a total bullseye, you know, but uh, yeah, this podcast for me has, has been uh, a huge source of meaning. Uh, I've put more of that, my time into that than practicing since my shows got cancel you know just reading up on guests or whatever the topic and so so grateful for you two being on right now uh well you you guys both touched on something which is i think you know probably for every person you know who's listening to this and for you know us and zach and me and and everybody in our own lives in some ways you know it's you know and it's like well what's meaningful for you mike and it's like Man, I'm just like, in three months, I'm going to be able to give my brother a hug, you know? And it's like, for you, it's like, what's meaningful? It's like, I'm getting to spend real, like, different level of quality time with my kids because I'm not out on the road. And it's like, you know, and in some ways, what happens is like, in the end, it's like, it, it seems so trite to say it, but it's like, it turns out that the meaning comes from the love in our lives and the love that we share. And I think what you hit on is that thing that it's like, what we our opportunity to create meaning in this, even though we've lost our identities and our future and all the big things to look forward to is, is like, we get to love in a really small scale. And it's like, man, when you give the, your brother that hug, Mike, that's going to be a different hug than like Ooh. last hundred hugs you gave him when you saw him here and there. And it's like, Oh, Hey man, cool. Nice to see you. You know? And it's like, like this one you're going to feel. And, and we have this opportunity to, uh, you know, it's like, I, I it, it's weird how emotional I get in a typical day. You know, I don't like, like I've done in, in the last decade, you know, thousands of therapy sessions 
thousands. And I'm like, usually like, yeah, okay, we know where we're going. Let's help move compassion, whatever. Okay. Next, you know, like and in a genuine way, but it's like, but I don't cry a lot in therapy, you know? And it's like, except for this year where I'm like every session, I'm like telling them that they're like, Oh no, I'm, I'm like, doc, I'm feeling really emotional. I'm like, Oh man, that makes two of us, you know? Like, and, and, and there's something in the, like, yeah, we, it's like Oteal, like I can't imagine what it would be like to, to, to have the opportunity to stand on a stage in front of like tens of thousands of people and just the energy and the, 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 the magic of that. And then to have that taken away. And it's like, but it's like, and now our stage is like spending time with our spouse, with our kids, you know, saying hello to the neighbor and like looking them in the eye. And, you know, my neighbor came by, like was walking by last week and I went to take out the garbage and, and I haven't like barely spoken to this neighbor. I'm, I'm fairly new to this area where I live here in Toronto. And, and she was like, uh, uh, said to me like, Hey, like, is, is there a blackout? Like, did, did your power go out also like today? And, and I, I looked at her and I was just like, yeah, you know, like it did. Like, thank you for asking. Like, how are you? And it was just like, like I literally went inside and wanted to cry because like I had a 60 second conversation with my neighbor and it was just like, like the power of like love and human connection that we completely and totally just like, you know, took for granted. And it's like the bigger the explosions, the action movie. Then when you see one with less explosions, you're like, man, whatever, you know, we become accustomed. And so we, we, we lost the magic of the little, moments of real connection and this is our chance here to 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 reclaim those and and cherish the hell out of them i wonder what we do with this fear though because when you talk about neighbors um you know i just saw this thing and forgive me for but i literally saw it the second before we hopped on and so i just screenshotted it and it was from one of the news sources that i've watched they did a poll and I should never look at polls after the last Democratic primaries. But it said, uh, it's a CBS News poll, biggest threat to America's way of life. What did people see as the biggest threat to America's way of life? And 54% of the people said each other in America. <laughs> 20% said economic forces, which really should be 70%. Uh, in my opinion, whatever that's worth. 17 said percent natural world disasters, viruses, and then 8% said foreign threats, which I think is accurate. Um, so one out of two people think <clears throat> other people. And you know, I'm not immune from this because I live in Florida. There's a lot of Trumpers down here and stuff, and they've showed their hand. Now, I know that's not all of them. I know every Republican isn't like that. But there's still a lot of them, and they're not like it's not like they're down south and everybody else. They're everywhere, you know. So it's this, uh, you know, when you, yeah, I'm getting close to some neighbors, and then other neighbors, I'm like, do they want to shoot me? I mean, I, you know, and it's not a a uh, unjustified fear. Like we are in unprecedented times. The pandemic is. We've been through that before, <laughs> but our own people like trying to get into the Capitol, that's a first, <laughs> you know, or getting or actually getting in, you know. So it's like um, when I realize with my rational brain, it is unprecedented. This is 
some a, something new. You know, it's hard to just like beat back that fear. It's hard to beat back the fear of my neighbors, of some of my neighbors. And my rational brain is is does a really good job sometimes, or I would say almost all the time. I mean, I was one uh, predicting all my friends, hey, look, this is going to get worse before it gets better. You know, when Biden, after Biden won, we knew he won. I was like, don't think we're going back to normal. This is the, and now that it is like, th- now that mm. it did get worse, I'm like, oh, it's still through me. You know, I was trying to prepare other people and it's still through me. And I, and it's still throwing me. Like I, <clears throat> I, I go to Home Depot and I keep my head down. You know, because I talked to my pool guy and, uh, you know, he he's in a situation where he, where he goes to get his chemicals like he deals with all these people. So he's like, yeah, this is what they're saying. You know, I don't go on parlor or face. I got off Facebook and all that. But I, you know, I talk to people and they're like, yeah, man, be don't just keep your head down at Home Depot. Don't, you know, don't. And I just I don't like feeling like that for a long time. And well, I'm your- more used to that. I grew up black in Southeast Washington. Like I'm used to, you know, but still <laughs> I'm like, this is another level of shit. Man. Like, Well, it's the opposite too of your spiritual life force, which you talked about, which is love, which is bringing it in. Right. So you like, you've connected to like that. You said God, like I think God is love. And then, the idea that when we walk outside of our houses and we go run errands and we're just like having the regular interactions with people out there, it's the opposite of love. It is hate and it is staring us in the face and it is there all the time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, that there's a lot of <clears throat> struggle happening for you that, 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 that makes so much, so much sense to me. It's just hard to, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about buying a gun, and I decided against it. And then when I saw what happened at the Capitol, I, it even for some weird reason that I cannot explain that's not rational, it hardened my resolve to not get a gun. Because I was like, I just can't be that. You know what I mean? And if that's my response to it, then... Can I, can I share a story? Please. In this is a wild story. In, in, in two, I don't know if I've ever told this one on any podcast. In two thousand and seven, maybe before I started my PhD, I spent a year um, working uh, as an associate psychologist in a uh, in a maximum security prison here in uh, Canada. Which, granted, is not the same intensity as a maximum security prison <laughs> in the United States, you know. Yeah. But it's still fairly intense. Um, and and this place, it was like a crazy job. I had like applied for like a policy job online, like <laughs> writing writing mental health policy for the Canadian government. No one ever responded to that application, but I got some phone call. I guess it went in this like government system, my resume, and they were like looking for clinicians to work in the prison. System. And, and I get a phone call like a week later. Uh, we're calling from the Department of Corrections. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, you know, would you come work for us for a year? And so I ended up doing this. And the first day I walked in, uh, the prison hospital was, uh, it was sort of like where the mental health stuff, the psychology department was like located in the hospital. And it's also 
where all of the uh, particular individuals in that prison congregate every morning to get their methadone, right? So everyone who's sort of like, you know, was using something before they came in now basically goes on methadone to at least, you know, to like a little bit of, of a, a substance pick me up that they can get um, through the system. And so I walk in the first day, you know, and I'm like, you know, I didn't quite look like this. I was much more clean cut and I'm wearing a button down shirt. And I'm like a Jewish guy. And sometimes I like wear sort of something on my head that shows that. And I'm wearing it. It's kind of overt. And I walk into the like front of this prison hospital and I just get like all these like just people like glaring at me and someone yells out like, you know, fuck you, dirty Jew, Hitler should have killed every last one of you, you know what I'm saying? And I'm standing there in that moment, like watching all this hatred. And I was just like thinking, you know, like sort of the few superheroes that, that have been like mentors to me in my life. I'm like, what would they do in this moment? You know, and in prison also in that culture, it turns out you're not supposed to look people in the eye. It's kind of like a taboo thing, I guess, you know? Um, and they're like, what you looking at? You know, and, and I, sorry, I started to like walk up and I, and they're sort of like yelling at me and, and I just like looked at the first guy and I was like, kind of like looked him in the eye and was like, good morning. Hi, like, nice to see you. <laughs> and then like the second guy and I was like, nice to see you. Hi, good morning. You know? And, and these guys were like, this fucking guy, you know, like, and these like guys looked at me and I just sort of like, and you know, and they're not going to get themselves in deep trouble by touching me. So they sort of like part a little and I went to the door and walked to my office and, you know, they were yelling down the hall. And I did that the second day and they yelled at me and I said, hi, good morning. Nice to see you. You know, hope your day's going well, you know. And the second week I showed up to work, I walked to the front of the thing and I said, hi, good morning. And first guy looked at me and said, hey, morning, doc. How you doing? And, and by the end of a year there, I would like, I had a line down the block of like, you know, people waiting to come see me, not to discuss any therapy thing, but just like come have someone look them in the eye and say hello, you know? And it was like, Wow. The ability of like us to stand in the face of hate and to maintain our own values. It's like, you know, like I hope none of us have to live in a world where like we got to hide in Home Depot and it's like, boy, it takes a lot. It's fucking scarier to walk in and say, hey, good morning. And it's like, but I wonder, like if we do that, occasionally we get punched in the face, but probably in the end, you know, maybe we open something and I don't know, that's not in the therapy manual anywhere. I just know that one story for me, I went back and it was like, you know, the rest of my life, I was like, I'm going to die on this hill, you know, which is I'm going to stand there and try to be the loving thing in the face of all the shit. And it's like, and if it goes badly for me, then you know what, I'll come upstairs and I'll be like, I fucked up. I tried to be nice to people and you know, I'll eat the cost. Um, but I think in the end, it's our only fighting chances. Humanity is like that. People like you, Othiel, who and Mike and Zach, who like embody love in such a profound way that like we don't let it get shrunk by whatever is going on. Well, just, and, like, and and just to pick up on that's a beautiful story. I mean, yeah, it's phenomenal, dude. Yeah, I mean, way and, to go. That's really. I think it picks up on this really like a larger point, time that we've. I think we even spoke about it yesterday on our on our group call, which is like when we look to our leaders to solve for us we're left vacant a lot of times because we don't like there's so much going on right so what happens when we stand in the discomfort 
when we choose to affect the people just around us, instead of having it come from the top, instead of getting frustrated and getting angry and getting uh, just like maddened by the lack of this or the, the division and, and, and everything else is like, okay, how do we stand in it? How do we affect the person directly next to us? And maybe it's virtually. Maybe it is that person at Home Depot. Maybe it is that good morning, right, to that person at Home Depot, just like the prison. And and I think, you know, what happens then is it, you know, systemically sort of grows out and we affect the, the next person that affects the next person that affects the next person. And I wonder, too, if that really is like the source of the change. And Odile, it's like, it's sort of like, you saying, I'm not going to become that person that I don't want to be. I'm yeah, not, it's the not buying the gun. Right? Not buying the gun. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand in myself and double down on my values, my philosophy, my religion of love and not do that. And that act is so representative of so much. And those around you and you sharing that story, like we can feel that. And it will affect us and it will affect those around you. I mean, I definitely, when I first started, when I switched out of music and became a therapist, like was learning about these big systemic ideas and these big, you know, like all of this stuff. And um, I was like, oh my God, I got to get into government and I got to start working these ideas into government and start working with, with people at CEOs and all this stuff. And I remember someone said to me, like, you're missing the point here, man. Like it's this, just the next person who you connect with. That's all it is. It doesn't have to come from the top down. It's got to come from the bottom up. And when we can do that and we can commit to ourselves to do that and not get lost in the frustration, hate, anxiety, tumult of what's happening. Like, that's much harder to do. Much, much harder to do. It's like, Mike, what you were saying. It's like, I will, I, I'll go off the fucking rails if I spend too much time focusing on this. So I just have to focus on watching the wave come in and out of my life. You know, um, <clears throat> one of the things that is becoming more and more clear, too, is that when things get back to gatherings and you're able to be with other people, um, <clears throat> conversations are going to have to be had that are going to say, like, here's the scoop, friend. Like, if you're around me, it's about, it's about love. And it's about, like, we're, you know, we're certain things that were, you know, glanced over or whatever, you know, like, Certain things just aren't going to be tolerated. You know what I mean? And I feel like lines have been drawn <clears throat> by the way that people act and by the way people react to the what's been, you know, happening. Whether it's shitting on wearing a mask or whether it's supporting some conspiracy theory or little comments or whatever. It's like about now it's sort of like – uh like O'Teal said, like with love, it's it's this thing of we don't have time for the bullshit anymore. You know what I mean? Like people that are bullshit, habits that are bullshit, self criticism that's bullshit. Like if you're bullshit, you're getting put into a pile 
<clears throat> and you're you're getting recycled. You know what I mean? In my world, in my yard, you know, like I can't keep can't let that toxicity be around me. And and you think and, that would have been something that you would have been willing to do? No, before 14, 14 months, there was ago. enough distractions. Months, there was enough yeah. distractions to not, do you know, today I got a, <laughs> you try so hard to stay out of your own head and then your phone goes memory. Hey, you want a memory? Would you like to remember the way that thing <laughs> one year ago today, I performed at radio city music hall. Oh. Oh. One year ago today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Now what am I doing? I'm shredding fucking leaves. You know what I mean? I didn't see that coming. Sorry, Mrs. B. I swear. I swore. I'm trying really hard not to swear as much. But you're right, Zach. The fact that like it's just I, and it and and that doesn't have anything to do with sense of humor and blah blah blah. If you're coming from a place of love, it's clear. You know what I mean? If you're coming from a place of like sincerity, and coming from a place of thinking about others before yourself, like you wear that. I could feel that without you saying a word, you know what I'm saying? So like, just, just th that part is something that has to be paid attention to, you know? You know what? I feel it when I go to Home Depot and Target or whatever, because <clears throat> the loving people are like, you know, there'll be some old white lady and she's like, with her eyes like, only, you know. Yeah, you can't she's see. like, I ain't with these mother. You know, <laughs> it's great, and I, I feel almost like I don't have to like x people out. Like we'll just repel each other. Like when you turn the magnets the other way, you just can't get them together, yeah. and it just happens naturally. And I'm like, so it will be interesting, you know, when we get a Dead and Company show back, and then I think the Deadheads for Trump. You know, that's a that's a group, an actual group. Yeah. Like with people in it? With people. <laughs> yeah. More than you would like to think. Um, I'm just like, wow, have you not read any of the lyrics at all? But um, whatever. You know, it's just going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. And I, I guess I'm kind of looking when I'm not feeling hopeless. I feel that way about the whole country. Like, you know, ultimately this is good because it did reveal it revealed. Now people know, look, there's all kinds of racists in the police. You know, they said the FBI is going to vet the National Guard. I was like, who's going to vet the FBI? Who's going to vet the racist Trumpers in the FBI? Right? That's how, you know, that's why I start to feel hopeless. I'm like, all this new leadership, like, we can't trust these people, you know? So it's... <laughs> It's, but it's all good. It's all good because I think the truth being revealed is something that is going to be better in the long run. It's just hard. Like, you know, you don't really know how hard it is to have a baby until you have one or see it, you know, like, so I don't know. You know, I, I think it is, it's much, much easier for us to allow our you know, our brains to go to all these places of fear and struggle and challenge and, again, anger. It, it is so much harder. It's so much harder to stand in the place of 
I choose not to do this because I don't, it's not good for me. It's not good for the energy that I'm putting out. It's the same as, as you know, Chaim and I who work with people individually every day. When someone's sitting across from me and they say, I want to work through this. That is just a statement of empowerment to me because it is so much easier to just ignore it or get lost in the ruminating thoughts that we've had and the narratives that we've created for decades that are sort of our default mode. It is so much harder to sit and say, I'm going to do the hard work to get through this. And globally, I wonder if like we're sort of in this really tough place of trying to figure out who we are, where we are. And it's hard work to do that. And, and it's hard work to, it's uncomfortable to go to Home Depot and have to do that. It's much easier to be like, fuck it, I'm staying home, right? This is not easy. It is not easy on an individual level and on a, on a, on a larger level too. And we are going through anything that takes significant change is going to be filled with challenges. But I hear both of you, the interesting thing is even, I hear both of you, it's like, uh, even as hard as this is, and even as, as maddening as this can be, like, I'm still, I can still see a glimmer of hope there. Oh. And, right? How yeah. do we bring, Mike, how do we bring those people in, right? Like that conversation is like, okay, maybe it's not, let, let's have a conversation here. Maybe, you know, the goal is not to push the people away, but it is to bring in the people who we want to be part of our tribe in our lives. Well, and you know what else I think it is too? It, it's that uh, not forcing, like uh, uh, the conversations are going where the conversations are going without us steering them right now. Where before, <laughs> it's so funny. It's like these things have always been there. These things have always been there and you just kind of, when you saw it, when you saw it coming, you turned away from it and you were like, yo, I was at this show last night or I went to this thing. I went to that thing. Like now when you're talking, you go, Hey, I was sitting by myself under a desk at 4am and, uh, this is what I was thinking, you know? So it's, it's the conversations and the, the thought processes and the, the genuine love I feel from just having a conversation with a friend or a family member or whatever it may be is like so real. And so I feel like I'm getting little pieces of the, the puzzle that I, that has been with me since before stand up, since before I'm figuring myself out during this thing by not trying to figure myself out. O'Teal sent me a link to a podcast. I listened to it while working out in the yard and I had to stop probably 20 times because like I'm sob. I'm outside. My neighbors must think I'm the craziest person. I'm outside like with a leaf blower trying to prepare a fire pit area. So when times can come back to normal, everyone will have, you know, a place to sit and I just, I just want to create a space that people can have a good time and outside. And I'm listening to this podcast and it's about essentially, um, what was it, O'Teal? Uh, fam- like, um, yeah, I wanted to family. ask you guys if you heard of this guy's name's Richard Swartz, and it's IFS Internal Family System. Internal Family Systems, yeah. Internal Family Systems. Psychedelic experience. Firefighter, and, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
to the very everyone should go listen to it. It he was on Tim Tim Ferriss's podcast. I don't know if we can share a link to it or whatever. But if I had to cliff note it, we all have a these defenders that kind of set up their guard in moments where we needed them throughout our past. And some of them don't know how to clock out. So they become anxiety and they are like the critic at, but they know that moment and they're defending you from that moment. So if someone rolls their eyes at you, that guy's like, you got a problem with my host, (laughs) you know? And, and, but then that's that thing where you walk away going like, why did I act like that? Or why did I say, you know what I mean? Like, so all throughout our experiences, these guards kind of set up camp and through this podcast, this Tim Ferriss get the, the IFS, they, they essentially go back and tell that person like they ta- like, Hey, like it's okay. You could put your guard down. Like I'm, and I'm paraphrasing to save time and you guys could go listen to it. But hearing this was exactly what I needed to hear at the exact moment I needed to hear it by the exact person I needed to hear it from, O'Teal. And it was just like a giant corner piece of the puzzle showed up. And then the other pieces now make more sense. And I'm able to – and it it gave me the knowledge – for a conversation I had four days later with someone that I love where I end up completely losing it and bawling my eyes out while I'm having a conversation because I don't mind talking about the things that hurt me if it helps the people that I love. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's this podcast that's given me the permission or my friendship with O'Teal to be okay, not being okay. And that has made me better than I've ever been. And that's the weird thing. I'm I'm sad as shit about not doing stand up. I miss my friends. I miss weirdly. I had a nostalgic. I miss an air. I miss airports somehow. Why I don't know. I'm not there yet. Well, you'll get there. <laughs> you have kids and shit. But I. Uh, my point is, is that like I'm okay with all of it because I feel like I kind of came through the other side a little bit. You know what I mean? There's. It's like I, I'm like wow. I've been on. I've been on fire for 30 some odd years, I'm like starting to get the hose and put it out (laughs) and start rebuilding. But it's like, I'm okay talking about the fire so I can help other people not burn. But that's the secret. And this is like, this is the, the, the secret is, is the reason you're okay with the fire is because you're talking about it. Exactly. And there's something that changes. And this is what I wanted to tell you guys before I read this book, um, which was, um, it came out in October and it's, uh, it's become like a huge bestseller and it's just been like a game changer. I, I, I've literally sent it to like, like, like 40 patients of mine and I'm like clinician friends and, you know, and, and even the human beings I know who are like not anti-therapy, but like so out of touch with their own inner world have like read this book and been like, holy fuck. It's, it's a book called Group by this woman, Christy Tate who basically in the super nutshell is like, you know, brilliant, successful, top of her class, law school, like sort of like moving her life in all these ways on the outside. And then on the inside is like 
broken, like dysfunctional relationships, eating disorder, you know, like trauma history, like, like can't, can't emotionally put one foot in front of the other hates her body. You know, it's like all the shit that we face, right? Like right, right, in, right. In, her, in our inner struggles with not liking ourselves. And then because of that struggling to relate to other people in an effective way. And she ends up in this like therapy group. She's she's living in Chicago and this is her actual story. Like it's not a fiction. This is really her writing her story. And she's, um, I guess you'll, you're a better judge of the, the comedic aspects than me. I found it very funny though. And it is kind of a comedic book in the way, in the way she presents it. But basically she ends up in this like group therapy with this uh, unconventional, like old psychiatrist who gives them prescriptions. Uh, like she's got to go get a, uh, a henna tattoo, like across the midsection, like Tupac style that says, I hate my boobs. Right. And you can walk around with it. And it's like, and it's all this stuff. And she's got to like go and tell her, you know, the guy she's dating, all these like things and these reveals. And, and the whole process of the book is basically shows her modeling this idea of like the, the shame in the things in our life with the fires, you know, and the things that we dislike about ourselves and the critical things and the anxieties. It's only in the not talking about it that creates the shame. And the second you're like, you know, like, hey, this is just who I am. Yeah. And you can put it on the table without judging it. Because if you can talk about it, then you're you're not judging yourself as much. It's yeah. and all the shame drops away. And it's like, so yeah. I've been like going around everywhere being like, <laughs> I never learned how to ride a bicycle. I have an anxiety <laughs> disorder. You know, and it's just like, tell, tell people your shit. And the second you do that, you're they're like, oh, that's interesting. Cool. And that's then what... like in a conversation. And then, and there's something happens inside of the dynamic is a, you can actually let people really connect to you because you're being you, but B, you change because it's like all of a sudden I don't have to carry around things in this shameful way that I'm like hiding it. I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry. I can't come on this bike ride because I hurt my ankle last week. You know, like, and it's like, yeah. no, uh, I don't really know how to ride bicycles. So uh, <laughs> come on it. Uh, we're going to go really slow and we're not going to get anywhere because I'm going to just get on the bike and fall over and just coming out and like saying it. And so the more that we're able to like talk about our muck. And that's what you were saying. Like, well, the stuff we used to ignore in conversation would be like, oh, so just tell me about the last concert you went to. It's like, no, now we could say like, hey, like, cool. Here's something difficult. You know, here's yeah. what I grapple with. Here's, here's the feelings that I'm feeling when you say the thing you just said. Right. And, yeah. and it's just like the second you put it out there, like, cool. Now there's room to actually work through it and manage it internally. But that only comes when we like start to actually like fuck the shit. Sorry, I know you're trying not to curse, and I feel like I'm triggered. That's Teal's mom. My mother. That's what Teal's mom. As long as like it's not me. Oh, that was it. Was, <laughs> that was like who Mrs. B was. Now, now it makes more. Uh, uh, but yeah, so sorry, Mrs. B, for the like forty times I cursed already. But that's it. It's like we just put it on the table and are like. I have a profanity problem. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah, cool. Then we can Practice talk about what you preach, man. and we can talk about where it comes from. And we can figure out how to move with it. But the second that I'm ashamed, and it's like it's the hiding that creates our suffering. And when we're willing to stop hiding, like the things inside of ourselves, yeah, it's freeing. It's tiring. Yeah, but it's well. You, yeah. If you ever been to a twelve step meeting, like if it's your first time, the first thing they do, they go up. Oh, 
Our regular meeting has completely changed now. We're going to start here, and we're going to go around the circle, and everybody's going to say the you know the worst yeah. things that they ever did. <laughs> and by the time it gets around to you, you're like, "Hey, I'm a deal." <laughs> okay, actually, you know, it's just like, and it's in religions, you know, confession. It just you don't. I don't think you need an intermediary between you and God, but every person can be that for each other. We can, and you know, I kind of, I'm gonna probably piss my wife off because she she has this thing. She's like, don't talk about our shit on the podcast, you know. But I say if I talk about my shit, not hers. But if I talk about mine, it frees other people. They're like, yeah, I do that too. You know, it's like now we're together. Even if I can't see them because it's virtual or whatever, I know I'm making that connection. And sorry, honey, for putting our disagreement on the podcast. But that wasn't bad. I was I've just seen worse. it. I see this guy used to follow. He was a preacher. Uh, and he said, you know, my mom doesn't like me to talk about when I used to deal drugs from the pulpit. She was like, you know, and he said, look, first of all, I'm I'm trying to let other people know, like, I'm no different from you. You know, when I was in high school, if you wanted some weed, I was the man to come see, you know, he goes, but also you're not going to like pull up some skeleton on me because I already said it like, you know, and I thought and it just it stuck with me. man. I was like, you know, if we are not afraid to reveal, you know what we're scared of or whatever, you know, we got to edit some things, but the more you do it, the more you reveal, the more it helps other people. And I found a, that with this podcast, you know, and yeah. it's a two step, it's a two step process too. I, I think, right. One is the, you, you sort of hear the podcast, Mike, that IFS podcast that just clicks with you. It's that corner piece where you yeah. become enlightened to something that is going on. So there's so many people who are walking around just completely unaware of their triggers and their shame and their vulnerabilities and all, because they just don't know, right? Again, I, I said it before, but it's like, there's this conditioning and default. Like you said, all of these defenders have been created for years and years and decades and decades to protect us from these things. They are part of our being, right? Um, all, the shadow self, all of these things that, that, that are, are, are there, and we don't even know they're there because we're oblivious to them because we just think it's part of who we are. And we just get pissed off when someone cuts us off in traffic or when they roll their eyes at us, we just get that, I want to kick your kick your ass or whatever it is, right? Like It's kick your butt. So kick your butt. Sorry, Mr. B. I'm crying I'm, I'm <laughs> here. God, God. We, are, we are a ragged <laughs> bunch. <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a profanity problem. And just to be completely honest with all of you, I swear a lot in my therapy sessions. And I think it's a way of trying to show my client. Yeah, I would like that. Therapist, right? And, but it's but like as we're like, you know, I think this is the second time where I've been like, oh, let me share some, share some of my vulnerabilities. But like, I have a thing about being a different sort of therapist. Like I don't want people to see me and know that I'm a therapist. So I swear a lot and I talk about other like strange things. Thank you and for sharing that Zach here at Potty <laughs> Mouth Synonymous. Yeah, PA. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's, but it's like getting my, getting that corner piece and saying, huh, okay, this is going on. And then the investigation of what that is and yeah. saying, and, and then and what I say to my, my clients all the time is like, okay, cool. You're sort of aware of this now. 
Now go out in the world for a week or two. Don't put any judgment on it. Just notice what's happening. Just notice what is going on inside your mind when things happen. Bring it back and we'll start to tweak with it a little bit. Right? That's awesome. What are the things that really get you? And, and then we can start to untangle it and say, oh, wow, I've been doing this thing for 10 years and it's because it's, it's protected me or I've been doing this thing and it's because it's, it's allowed me to, to not have to think about this. And so I think it's this two-part process. It is one, awareness, acknowledgement of whatever it is, and then it is investigating what that is for ourselves, which is really hard and challenging and can be quite painful as mm-hmm. well sometimes. It's, you hit the nail on the head. And I think that that's when, when you asked earlier, like, what are you doing to, uh, you know, keep yourself from thinking about comedy? <laughs> it's uh, like, I've gone back to that first guard that's got his shield up in my past or whatever. And I'm kind of trying to figure out how to go back from there and try to re undo the kinks in the wire. And, and each time I do, it's like, I kind of feel a little bit freer and a little bit lighter and a little bit less like bogged down by my own bull poop. And, uh, it's, it's just, um, it's, it feels good to feel shitty about something I don't mind feeling shitty about. Know what I mean? Like the pandemic's the pandemic. Uh, Capitol Hill was Capitol Hill. Racism is racism. These are things that are going to make me furious no matter what. But to have some self-made project about, you know what I mean? Like that, like to go back into my own things and then be able to even forgive people and forgive moments and forgive myself for getting so worked up at such a young age or at such a whatever. I always had this thing about impressing older people. I always wanted to be, because I grew up hanging out with my uncles and with their friends and in high school, it was like, when can I get a fake ID? When can I go hang out at colleges? When can I go do, you know, adult stuff? And like, when can I, when then I became an adult and it's like, when can I like be a kid again? Like, when can I, you know what I mean? It's like always when, 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 and never (laughs) now, you know what I mean? So it's just become this thing of like, for the first time ever, it's like, I got no choice but to be hunkered, the fuck down right here now and look at it and it's it feels good but it's also a choice i made to look at it know what i mean and that's something that like at least i have control over my own inner pandemic you know what i mean because i can think about it so you know i want to ask you guys a question Uh, there's certain things that i wonder if they're just cultural with our cultural like you know I like, it seems like we're a youth worshiping culture at some time, at, at some sometimes. But then I remember oh, now Nigel's knocking on my door. I'll be done in a minute. I'm podcasting. Um, <laughs> he, but then I look at what Mike said, and he was like, "Oh no, I want to be older." Like we we never live in the now, right? Oh, I can't wait till I can be. When can I? do older stuff and then you get older you're like oh i wish i could go back to is that do you think that's a human nature thing or is that specific to our culture 
So, so it's, it's a great, it's actually interesting. Cause this is like, there was like this, I don't know. It wasn't an alarm bell. It was like a, it was more like a, like a phone buzzer going off in my head when Mike was saying that before. And then I think you just hit it, which is uh, if you think about like in some ways, that thing of, I just want to be this, right. I just want to be older, right. I just want to act older. I just like, there's an implicit statement in that, which is, because how I am now is what is not enough, not enough. Right. And so we could substitute that with, I just want to be richer. I just want to be more successful. I just want to have sell more concert tickets. I just want to, you know, uh, date this person that is this level of attractiveness. I just want to own this, you know, motorcycle. I just, I, whatever a person's metric is. Right. And, and for some of us growing up, yeah, it was like, I just want to be able to hang out with the older kids. Right. Or do this thing. But, but all of that, first of all, it's all in the future. Right. It's not like, I just want to be there. Yeah. You're not there at this moment but it comes from this place of this sense of like not enoughness and going back to our past and i wish i was is the exact same thing because the implicit second half of the statement is i wish i was that like back i wish i was as fit as i was when i was 17 (laughs) right because the way i am today is not enough right so it's like for for the human beings and we and i think maybe the most universal human struggle like across cultures that as far as i know and i'm sure there's more research on this that i don't know but at least anecdotally from having you know worked and met with people in a lot of different countries and different cultures it's like the most common human struggle that i've seen is the sense of not enoughness that we carry about ourselves i just need to be if I, if I was funnier, if I'm smarter, if I'm, you know, ha- more this, more, better, bigger, then, then I'll be enough, you know, then I'll be worth loving, then I'll be okay, you know, and, and that pulls us into the past and it pulls us into the future because the present contains our sense of not being enough. And maybe the, I, I, Zach, I'm curious at your thought on this, but probably for me in like in the therapy room, no matter what we start working on, someone shows up and they want to, you know, they have, they're showed up because they they want to treat fear of flying or it's depression or it's substance use almost like 95 out of a hundred times what it comes back to at some point in the therapy process is that fundamentally that anchor that, that place within them feels the sense of not enough. And it's like, and if they felt enough, they would, better be able to cope with the things that happened to them. They would have better relationships. They would uh, be able to move through their depression quicker. They would be less anxious in moments, but, but everything hinges on that place of, of does our sense of self, um, you know, is it that enough place or is it, uh, is it something else? And, and did we talk about the chessboard last time we were on here? I don't think so. So, so I just want to share like a super quick idea on this, which is like a whole separate discussion in and of itself. But if you think about this in some ways, like our life, you know, being a chessboard, and there's all these like different pieces on the board and we've got sort of like the antagonistic pieces. And those are like all the things we don't like about ourselves and all the not enough, you know, and I'm not enough because, you know, I'm too short. I'm not enough because I'm not, you know, smart enough or because, you know, I didn't get to, you know, I got rejected by this person or I didn't get this job, whatever it is, you know, and those like the opposite sort of chess pieces, the more we attach to that and the more we define ourselves by that, 
like the more we suffer, right? That's when we live in that place. And so we're constantly either in the past, you know, wishing for what was, or we're in the future fantasizing about, you know, what will be enough, but we're suffering like hell the second we're with ourselves now. So then people like manage to morph that a little and then they, they sort of move and they're like, well, I'm not really those chess pieces. Like, that's not who I am. I'm the chess pieces on my side of the board. I'm my family. I'm the things that I, the successes I have had. I'm the fact that I'm healthy. I'm, you know, all the sort of the good things in their life. And they're able to sit and look at that and be like grateful and feel good. And it's like, but here's a problem with that is like, you're not those things either because- (laughs) Those things can all change. You don't control those things, right? It's like, cool, you're your you're, you're great relationship until, you know, God forbid something changes in your relationship. And you're your health until God forbid something changes in your health. And you're, you're, um, you're, you're, you know, success in your career or in your wealth until there's a pandemic. And then all of a sudden that stuff goes away. And then like, and oh, and then you're back to that same place where you're like, I'm not enough. So, so it's like sort of better, but you're still in the not enough. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like if I'm not like those chess pieces, like, like that are the painful ones, but I'm also not like these chess pieces. What the hell am I? I'm the chess board. And it turns out that what we really are fundamentally is the experiencer of our experience and we're not the things that we failed at and the rejections in this. And we're also not the things that went well in our successes and our awards. Mm. We're the experiencer of what comes into our experience moment to moment. Sometimes that's pleasant. Sometimes that's painful. And the more we could learn how to be the chessboard, it's like the chessboard's always enough. It's just experiencing whatever's on it. Sometimes there's a lot of pieces. Sometimes there are little pieces. Sometimes they're black. Sometimes they're white. You know, it's like, we're just the the vehicle that experiences what comes in our life. And the more we learn how to relate as that, the easier it is for us to like unhook from the not enoughness. Cause you know, that fundamentally that's not you, you know, that's just something on your board. It's a little depressing at first, but it's a (laughs) thought that I always come back to because I'm like, I feel like on some level, that I chose to come here knowing full well what was going to happen. And so this is why I'm here to experience the, you know, there's no growth without struggle. So you came here to struggle. All right, let me let him in. Go ahead. If if we're just the, I mean, just curious, like teasing this out a little bit in my own brain, right? Like if 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 we are just the chessboard and the experiencer of the experience, that then means that we can choose to experience things however we want to. Yeah, there's a flexibility that happens. So, so it's based. <laughs> so it then is. it allows endless opportunities to interpret things however we want to. So once we look at once we look at things negatively, we can say, uh uh-uh, uh, there's actually another way to do this. We don't have to look at it negatively. We can look at it positively, which is the beautiful part of all of it, which is what I love about this job that I have so much is like, huh. Just because you come in, I always say this to people, just because you haven't haven't experienced it, does that mean it doesn't exist? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a when we're when we're dealing with people's emotions and their narratives about life, it's like, huh. No, you can look at this negatively, but like, there's also people who are looking at this positively too. So, 
that means that you can also, and it allows flexibility, it allows openness, it allows an endless opportunity for people to experience things, which I think is the goal in reshaping how we view things. Yeah. And and that that's an extremely important uh, point you made. And yet again, something that we talk about constantly is just the balance, you know, like this is horrible that we're living through this, but also it's phenomenal because it's given us the chance to clean out our, you know, our gunk and kind of, you know, like when we can, you know, whatever's next for all of us, you know, you know, pandemic, there's, there's people who are wheelchair bound or bedridden and this pandemic doesn't mean poop to them. You know what I mean? This is some people's existence and we are new to it and we're new to not having what we want when we want or not, you know, going where we want, where we, when we want to. But the thing that's really neat is that we have to turn inward. And like you said, like some of this is great for some reasons and it's awful for others, but it's like we experience it and it's what angle of the board we're looking at that piece. If you look at that, of that piece from the top down, it's like, ah, it's perfect where it is. But if you look at it from on the board, you're like, eh, I, I hate that piece. So that's a really, it's a really cool analogy with the chessboard. I like that quite a bit. As always, guys, you two coming on, you know, like you got to do it again soon. I know you guys have patience to visit with and, uh, you know, it's so important that we have this running kind of chat with you guys because I think about while we're talking, I'm thinking about the last time you guys were on and it was like, it feels like a thousand years ago and, and, and we're all so much older and wiser and more like chiseled in the sense that like, you know, we've just been pelted with life, but you guys are doing phenomenal work and it's always, always profound to think about what I think about after we talk with you guys. Mm. I've gone back and watched our episode, our first episode, a bunch because it's been like needed. You know what I'm saying? So, and people love when you guys come on, and uh, we really can't thank you guys enough for 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 coming back and having this chat. We had plans to do a whole flipped episode and whatever, and it just doesn't happen. Like we just talk, and that's what needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the third time. Yeah. Maybe maybe the third time you guys come back. But please tell everybody that's listening where. Uh, they could find you guys. And if there are any resources that you might want to share with our listeners. So, yeah, I, I'm uh, based in Los Angeles. Um, my website, zackboard.com. Also anybody in the music industry from artists to merch vendor, whoever they are, the entire system of the music industry. If you're struggling with anything and need anybody, need any help, help navigating the system support groups, whatever it might be, go to backline.care. Uh, we'll work with you to find some help for you. Um, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And it made truly like a remarkable resource for the music industry that Zach created. Um, yeah. Um, and you can find me, I guess at Dr. Newman.com. That's D R and then Newman.com. Nice short, uh, <laughs> URL. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then I guess for the people in the music industry, although uh, survey number one is done, but, you know, we've been working on this study 
which uh, through uh, our organization called the uh, Tour Health Research Initiative or Thrive, and that's tourhealth.org, which is also funny because there's a website called tourhealth.com where you can get the results of your COVID test. So Hmm. we've been bombarded by emails constantly from people. Do I have it? Do I have it? Four days. And I like, and I'm like, don't know. We do research with people who tour for a living, you know? Um, but yeah, so you can check it out if you're interested. It's at tourhealth.org. And one of the things we're doing, it's crazy. We've done this study, right, where uh, really kind of right before the pandemic started, we were looking at the impact of, uh, of a whole bunch of different factors on the mental health of people who are in the touring industry. Otil, you talked about it earlier, like the, you know, it's like, boy, touring, it's like, I'm happy to not do that again. And, you know, we've looked at sort of like depression and anxiety and burnout and health and all those things. And some of the factors that impact and influence that. And uh, so we're just right now finishing the analysis of results and then we'll go sort of like publish this stuff. That'll come out probably, you know, April, May time. But I will say one interesting thing that we found this week is one of the biggest protective factors from people's depression, anxiety, and suicide risk is mindfulness. And people's ability to practice meditation and to learn some mindfulness techniques, uh, the people that were high on that, like way lower rates of depression, way lower rates of anxiety, way less suicide risk. And, uh, you know, that it's just, you know, there are tools out there. There are tools, whether that's for those of us who tour and are in the music world or just people out there struggling with, like you say, you know, the poop of life. Uh, and certainly the poop of, you know, 2021 and what life is throwing at all of us. Um, there's a lot out there we can do to uh, figure out how to be um, our, our, our best chessboard right now. Um, and, and hey, the love that you guys like resonate, O'Teal and Mike, on this podcast is, you know, it's like, like you guys are the hope for humanity. No, God. Humanity's in trouble then. That's what I was thinking. But- <laughs> yeah, well, but that's what it is. It's like, that's it. like we're not in the time of the, the church hills and the big leaders. Like we're in the yeah. time of like the simple, per- it, it, it's the, it's the little us that, that like is going to yeah. carry this like torch and, and help, you know, sort of like humanity get to its next, uh, you know, to its next okay place is, is just like, it's, it's two people on a podcast that, that you guys dedicated yourselves to doing this. And it's, uh, you know, like you walk away and you're thinking about stuff. It's funny. I, I like walked away last time and I didn't think anything. And it's the same thing now. I just felt, I just mm-hmm. felt this overwhelming sense of like love and like, wow, there are people in the world that are, that are still just good and care. And, and that to me, like, it was just so, like, I felt warm for a day. Thank you. Well, go do the go do the good work, you two poop heads. Thanks, guys. That's the uh, third time I've been called that. <laughs> much love. Uh, keep doing the keep doing what we're doing, right? All of yes, us. Yes, way to go. Collect. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Hiam. And I can't wait to talk with you guys again soon. And thank you to all the listeners. And check these guys out. And uh, please uh, take care of yourselves. We love you. Peace. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.